Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined by our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Dom. How are you? I'm doing really well. Hey, we're getting back into the podcasting season. We had a little break over Christmas and New Year and all that, but we're back in there. And I thought I'd start us off with a doozy. <laughs> Office politics. Ooh. So, you know, we've all just That had is a, break. a doozy. That is a yeah. doozy. You know, and it's one we've all probably dealt with, mm. you know, at one time or another to varying degrees and all that kind of stuff. But it comes up and look, you know, in an ideal world, there wouldn't be office politics, but we don't live in an ideal world. So I guess what I'm interested in is learning a bit about, you know, when we talk about politics, what do we actually mean by that? So we can get into that. How does it show up? Why does it occur? But most importantly for me is, you know, if we're trying to be constructive individuals and leaders and teams and all that stuff, how do we deal with the politics that may be there? You know, so yeah. it may be present. So what do we do, you know, in response to it? Because we maybe it's outside of our control to have no politics, <laughs> you know, but what's our re- response to it, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, go for it. I was just thinking, Dom, it's a really interesting topic to me and it's always fascinated me because I have, ex- you know, I've witnessed and experienced workplace politics myself, but as coach, a lot of the issues, many issues that clients and leaders bring up, how to deal with what they see as being a political situation. Uh-huh. And even the way that we talk about it, often we think, you know, somebody says something office politics and we immediately think of the shady side, the dark side of mm. organisations and kind of, you know, the backstabbing, the the lying and the cheating, and, and that's the connotation. However, you know, the question for us is politics, workplace politics, a part of working in organisations, and is it possible to operate as a constructive leader and to respond constructively in a situation that seems very political? And so I think... It was brought up for me a couple of times. So even early, you know, we're in 2022 and we just entered 22, but I've had a couple of coaching sessions and, you know, I want to share a couple of stories that show two sides. And the first story of is a, a leader who's relatively new in the position, so I would say just under a year. And we were talking and I said, and what else in terms of we'd already just had a conversation around mm-hmm. some things and they said, well, I want to talk about this colleague and they're really nice, really good at their job, but and dot, then dot, dot. Like, dot, 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 and I think, okay, what's in the but? And she said, well, they're often making comments or sending emails that I know they mean well, but it kind of highlights I feel like it highlights a flaw of mine, something that hasn't been done. And so in that example, I guess the question that we have is, and so when we talked about it, the question becomes, are these emails and comments strategic? 
Okay, so what are they saying and doing? How visible is it? I think is an example of whether how strategic it is and who's in the room. Mm. So when we think about, so I want to talk about this idea of what is politics and what makes something political, and that's an example where it's difficult to tell. Another example was years ago I worked with a leader who'd been in an organisation for years, a couple of decades, and had gradually made their way the ladder in terms of eventually becoming a director. Now, by the time I started working with him, probably just before, he'd started to undergo really a very personal metamorphosis, a change, a transformation. But up until that time, he'd been seen as a highly competitive, very, inverted commas, political. Mm-hmm. And one of somebody in the organisation had said to me, if you'd given this guy two envelopes and one had me and the other had we, everybody would bet that he would choose the me envelope. And so perceived as being political in the past and that perception really stuck with him. So when he was genuinely trying to change and become more constructive, this was part of reputation that stuck with him. And he had to, and unfairly at one point. So that's interesting in terms of the impact of being perceived as political and the negative impact that it can have. So I think there are a couple of stories, and I'm sure there's a lot more. Have you had any? I mean, I've seen ones in organisations where it's people kind of jockeying for position. Yeah. I suppose is how I'd put it, where, you know, like ones around like there's the strategy wing, you know, and the executive in charge of strategy, and then there's IT, and, you know, there's been a few changes, and they're both interested in the kind of IT development pipeline now because strategy nowadays is often, you know, IT is a big part of that, you know, but what's it's where, who holds the power, who's making the decisions kind of stuff. And so turned into a bit of a tussle, you know, and, and, and it ends up with people kind of lobbying, you know, the CEO, it's like lobbying Congress for, <laughs> you know, power and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I think of, I guess, in politics yeah. is like who who has the influence yeah, and what are they using that influence for? And I guess when people talk about politics, typically it means that it's they don't have the influence or, or feel they don't have the influence. Or and, they want it. Or they want it and they feel it's being used at least not forwarding their agenda. You know, and yeah. they, they would argue it's not forwarding the company's agenda, it's the person's personal agenda. Yeah. And in fact, there's a item in one of our diagnostics called the the impact tool, mm-hmm. leadership impact. And there's an item in there where it asks, is this perceived as an effectiveness level question? Is this person perceived as furthering their own success or furthering the organization's success? Right. Uh, which kind of gets to that. So I looked up the dictionary, of course, that's where you go to look up what office politics to see hey, if there was a definition for office politics versus mm. just politics. And the dictionary says office politics are the actions and behaviour involving competition for status or power in the workplace. It's pretty much what you said. Yeah. Okay. And what's interesting about that is I think whenever we listen to that, I think that's a pretty good definition. But where we go to with it is assume that it's necessarily a bad thing because it's this competitive 
it sets up the definition as a competition for vying for power and status. And I think that's how we all think about it. If we step back a a second, and I by and large agree that that's a good definition, but equally, I think that whenever you're going to have a group of people come together, an organisation, and if you think about how our organisations are set up, they're set up as functions, mm-hmm. okay? They're set up as subgroups. Mm-hmm. And so, and they're set up as subgroups, you know, with power being clearly identified. I think one of the issues with subgroups is that each group is going to have its own interests. And so, in a way, I think that politics is when people start to advocate for their own interest or their own group's interests. Mm-hmm. And I think to that extent, it's probably a feature of the organizational, of most organization reality. There may be organizations out there, maybe small businesses. It doesn't mean that it's true for every organization, but certainly it seems to be an element where you've got subgroups, you're going to have a certain amount of vying for resources. And also when it comes down to individual politics and interpersonal politics is where individuals are looking to increase their influence, their power and their authority. And so I guess I was interested earlier because you taught, you made a point of saying strategic, right? That was yeah. a strategic yeah. reason behind. Because I mm. guess you could have someone who's just like behaviorally LSI too, you yeah. know, I, I, yeah. oppositional, I point out the flaws yeah. or something, so I'm calling you yeah. that you're kind of adding in, it sounds like, I'm yep. putting this in, words in your mouth here, that to be politics, there's actually a strategic element. Like I'm trying to sideline you yeah, or yeah. undermine you or something yeah. because that then allows me to, you know, get yeah. in the air or get the influence or something. You know, I, I think that that's the case if it's going to be political. Now, I haven't studied pol- workplace politics, so this is my an kind of conversation around what do we think, what do I observe, what what are my reflections. And I think that... You know, if I go back to this client where where someone has said something and she's interpreted that there's a pattern around every time they call, you know, they write something, invariably involves a comment or criticism about them. Uh. Yeah. And so then the question becomes, okay, what makes it political? Uh. Okay, what would make it a political move versus it just being helpful? Uh. Okay, or being devoted to the kind of a common good. Okay, and so I think to that extent, when we started talking about it, this idea of strategic. So, what does it mean to be strategic? So, I think if you're trying to decide if something might be political, I think one of the first things you need to do is to hit the pause button and scan yourself and scan them in the situation, uh-huh. because it could be you. You know, it could be that I am in a defensive mindset, I'm feeling insecure about this, and I have read too much Uh into this. Uh Alternatively, it could be that there is something more strategic going on. When I mean strategic, I mean that there's an agenda underlying the action. It's Because I was kind of like, when you're saying that, because strategic, it depends to what end. Because we yeah. could strategically build other people up and, you know, support others to grow. That's a strategic end to actually be more effective, you know, because 
I guess I don't want to tar being strategic with negative outcomes, I guess. Is, yeah, no, you're, you're reacting to my use of strategic. Yeah. What I mean by strategic is maybe deliberate, okay? But, but deliberate it's de- and driven by a hidden agenda. I think that's, well, maybe not even hidden, right? It could be in plain sight, but it's, you know, because I think I was just opening the questions we have in our culture survey under power is play politics to gain influence, yeah, yeah. right? Maintain or build up your power base. Yeah. yeah. That is kind of, I think, what people mean when they think about politics, right? So I agree, but there are, there's covert and overt. Okay, right. so you may be doing True. it in plain sight True. or you may be doing it in a way that's quite covert where yeah. it appears to be one thing but it's actually another. Yeah. So it's kind of treacherous or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the hidden agenda, Yeah, you know, when yeah. you, you don't know. And then the question becomes how do you assess that? And in some ways is it important that you actually get into assessing it because the the bigger question is how do you deal with it, okay? So I think it might be helpful for us, for us to talk about all the ways that we've seen or we've heard or we've observed politics play out, covert and overt, and then talk a bit about how how might you deal with it. Yeah, and I guess just a bit more why it happens because you kind of talked about people lobbying for their area. And look, and this is where there's fine lines. It's like we want people to be pushing their agenda and stuff in a healthy way, right? We want the person in charge of sales or customer service or IT or whatever to, hey, I really want to make things happen over in sales land or IT land or whatever. It's just we don't want it to take over to a point where now we're actually undermining other parts of the business. We're not getting the best outcome actually for the business type stuff. And I think that that's the key, isn't it? It's like, What's it in service to? Is it in service to me and my desire for career advancement mm. and for authority and influence, which is really in service of my ego? Is it in service of my team, my department? Is it in service of the whole organisation? Mm. So you and I have often talked about motivation, okay? So I think it comes down to motivation, which is – in the circumflex, it comes down to whether you're coming from a satisfaction-oriented, constructive motivation and intent or whether you're coming from a defensive, security-oriented need. And so I think that motive is really important and intent and then the behaviour that and the actions and the deeds that people take are also really important But it's also, I think the other thing that the risk with it, what happens is people can assume that their assessment is the truth. Yeah. And so then go into judgment and blame and make somebody a villain and make themselves a victim without actually verifying or or looking to problem solve Mm -hmm. the situation. Yeah, I mean, we we see that all the time, right? No one's the bad guy in their own story. (laughs) I've never heard anyone ever say that they're the bad guy, you know. And because actually people are acting out from a place where they feel justified for whatever reason of doing what they're doing, right? Mm. They think it is in the best interest of the organization or they think whatever they think, you know, Mm. but but we all justify everything we do to ourselves, you know, to ourselves. And if, if you think about it, like there's lots of reasons why people 
I go, might look to access greater levels of power or compete or, and that, you know, it may be that they want to further their career. It may be that they just want to have a greater level of control. When I say just, they're not looking to necessarily go up the ladder, but they want to control more. They want to have more say. It could be that they're feeling insecure. And so they want to deflect attention on themselves by actually pointing the finger at somebody else. Uh-huh. It could be a lack of support and clarity and the desire to want to push for a, a certain outcome. It could be a complete lack of awareness of what's involved in the other stake, you know, stakeholders who are important in a particular outcome. Yes, on all of those. You know, I know that on one occasion, I think I might have told this story, I got some feedback in my LSI a long time ago, <laughs> a while ago, where some of my colleagues saw me as competitive, which I completely flew me because didn't relate to that intent or motivation at all. And when I spoke to them about it and when I spoke to my boss about it, so my peers didn't open up to me about it, my boss said, you've got this project that you're running and you're not including them. You're just going ahead and making decisions and so on. I thought, wow. So they thought that I was trying to show off, get influence, power. From my perspective, I had so much work to do. I was just trying to contain the situation and get things done. But so that was an example of where the perception of being political versus the intent and motive, you know, completely different. And I talked to them about it. We came up with a way, and I understood that I had to be more inclusive and involve people more, but they also understood a bit more about why I was acting the way that I was. So we kind of collab, you know, problem solve and talk to each other through it. Was that helpful in getting you to remember? Yeah, well, I I was thinking, you know, in organisations that can show up as like those roadblocks, like one part's trying to do something and the other one's just totally sandbagging them, you know, the whole way along. Like it's really sapping, I suppose. You know, that's why people don't like politics because it's just like the thing with politics I always think about is it's a lot of energy we're spending on stuff that doesn't actually move us forward. Correct. That's right. And that's one of the problems, right? It's got so many negative effects. A, it's a distraction. People get distracted from what it is that they're meant to be focused on. B, it's a lot of energy with not a whole lot of return for effort or, you know, it's just kind of being wasted in attending to things that are really outside of anything that's really super important. Well, it's nothing that touches the customer anyway. Because how I've seen it or experienced it is generally in larger organizations, but that doesn't have to be true. But it's where it's become its own little world. Yeah. You know, there's like a world inside this organization of, you know, positioning yourself up the hierarchy and mm. like being aligned with, you know, this person and, you know, like all these moves that you, mm. people are making, you know, mm. and, and, and people are making moves. And I think one of the things is people think they can make moves and no one else is noticing. It's like, we all <laughs> can see your move. <laughs> Everyone can see it. It's subtle. And some of those moves, you know, some of what we've seen over time is where people might talk to a person of power telling a story about you without you knowing it. Right. They might criticize you openly in a meeting and you're blindsided by it. You didn't know it was going to happen. I remember my brother once told me a story when he was working overseas. He was new 
to this um, country and they he thought they were having an off-record conversation, which his colleague brought up. His colleague CC'd everybody in the company with what his comments were. So these are like I've, examples. I've had that exact thing happen. Oh, have you? Pub, yeah, pub talk. You know, there's something coming up. <laughs> and it was actually like, you know, someone who was a friend of mine really and I had, had a good relationship was, was the third party in this. So she had come out with something. Anyway, I was out kind of pub talk. There's a group of us out, including a guy that I didn't really have that great a relationship with. He kind of didn't, didn't come out with everyone. And he was kind of like expressing some doubts about this, you know, thing. And I kind of agreed, you know, yeah, there's some reservations, blah, blah, blah. Next day I get in, there's bloody email out. Like, this is what Dominic thinks. And it was like, that is pub talk. You can't bring up pub talk in the light of day, you know. And and especially like quoting me, you know, something I said. Mm. Now, should I have said it? Probably not. You know, in yeah. retrospect, that was yeah. that was silly of, of me. But, you know, I was young and it was the kind of company where like that was my life. So we all went out with everyone from the office and stuff. So it was very much like that's, the, that's your world, you know, yeah. like that's your yeah. world. So that's what the conversations are, you know, that's what everything is. Yeah. Um, it's all about that stuff. And that's, I think that starts breeding it, right? Because it becomes a, a game almost, right, in and of itself. Well, I think what it does too is sometimes it's a result of gossip and drama, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people getting involved in and to a certain degree thriving off the office gossip and, the you know, the dramas and the stories and everybody has an opinion. And I think that sometimes, you know, that's what happens is, that kind of can be a bit contagious and you get caught up in it. And um, if somebody asks you an opinion and you think that it's at the pub, you know, you become free with it because you think it's safe, you know, and don't expect there to be a repercussion. So I guess what do we do about it? Like do we want to live in the world where we feel like, you know, we've got to suspect everyone? Well, here's the thing for me because we're all like, I wish there was no politics. (laughs) You know, like like that's that's what we'd all say. There's no politics because we're all upfront and and that's awesome. I mean, that's kind of what we're aiming for. In a constructive organization, there wouldn't be politics because we would have upfront discussions, we would share our truth, thoughts, and feelings. You know, as the executive team, that would be our number one team. So we're all on the same page. We're actually mm. we actually have alignment. But as we know in the real world, a lot of organizations, most organizations are not that level of constructive. So politics is something that comes yeah, you know, with the territory, particularly with larger organizations, but I keep saying that and then keep saying that's not necessarily true because it's not. Sometimes there can be, you can have a small company and there's, you know, influential people and all sorts of stuff mm. going on, right? And I think, you know, while we have a need for security and that need for security can show up as a need for status mm-hmm. and power and influence, and while we have organizations that are based on subgroups and functions you know, yep. it's likely that politics will play a role in our organisations. So I think in a way there's some it's really important for leaders and for us to have this conversation to because I think the difficult stuff is the really covert but also some of the blatant ones. And the question becomes who are you in that situation and what can you do in that situation? Can you be politically savvy without losing your soul and without being unethical. Mm -hmm. And I think I believe that you can. So what does that look like? Because that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? It's probably an ongoing conversation. So look, my early thoughts is, first of all, you've really got to be clear about your own values as a leader and 
who you want to show up as, what kind of impact you want to have as a leader, and how you want to enter the game, if you like, because people say play the game. So I think you can make your own rules, but you've got to decide the choices that you're going to make, and those choices have got to be based on your values. So you've got to know your own. The only person you can't walk away from is yourself. So you've got to really understand yourself well enough to know what are your not negotiables, you know, what are your trade-offs and what are the behaviours that you're committed to preserving about you because I think that once you start giving that up or, you know, giving pieces of that up, I think that's when it becomes a dilemma and that's when it becomes you don't feel good about yourself and when the insecurities start to creep in. So I think the first thing is you've got to be clear about your values, your not negotiables, how you want to show up, what is the legacy impact you want to have on people as a leader and what your no-go areas are. And also, you know, your standards of behaviour because once you've got your own standards of behaviour, then you've got something very concrete that you're committed to modelling in the organisation. So I think the starting point is always going to be you. It's always going to be you because mm. that's the one thing that you can control. Yes. You know, you can control what is going on in your mind. You can you can decide how you want to behave. Then, so I think that's a starting point. And then a couple of things which are probably not directly about addressing the political situation hand is about making sure that you've got good relationships up and down the organisation. Yep. So, you know, I really believe that you've got to invest in being constructive and honourable and ethical up and down the organisation relationships. One of the sayings that I I really try to live by and I, I heard, I don't know who said it, but it was something I'm paraphrasing, something like, you know, you could really tell the character of someone by how they treat somebody who's of no value to them. Mm. And so I think a belief that you're going to treat people well, treat others as you would like to be treated yourself, that's a really good guide in terms of developing great relationships. And I think that you've got to make sure that you build your relationships, that you, you know, network for the best. Love the word networking because it's got a bit of a, con- you know, a bit of a connotation of, let me say, building your network. So making sure that mm-hmm. you're developing your relationships, you're developing great relationships, and those relationships are based on a two-way connection, not just a one-way connection, and it's not just transactional what you can get from someone, but it's also, you know, broader than that. So I think relationship building, building your network for the sake of being interested in others and also developing great professional connections where you can help each other is really important. So I wrote down on my notepad two of those same points, right? I had build a relationship including with the person who you think is playing politics. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, because yeah. it's easy, because I guess that it could be, a well, I'm going to build out my little clique, you know, on the other side of something of this power yes. divide, you know. Well, that, that's kind of the tempter is you do that, a, a counter offense, you know. Right, we're, we're going yeah. to rally the allies on our side, you know, and they've got yeah. their, you know, Axis powers or whatever if we go to World War II. But you know what I mean? So that's not what, we're kind of no, about rallying no, your own no. camp to ride to war. That's right. It, and I'm going to build a relationship with you, like with the person that I do not see eye to eye with. 
I'm going to own that. They might not want to do it, but how do I build a good relationship with you? And I think that's about being transparent and being curious and being great at what you do. Yep. Right? So I think one of the things in those situations where maybe you're dealing with someone who's covert, and so one of my clients, they were dealing with a situation, but, you know, they were still in that, is it me, is it them, don't know. Mm. But one of the things to do is is if you think that it's deliberate and there's a hidden agenda, then really it's about looking over it, noticing when people speak up, who's in the room, because if they say it to you privately and it's come up in a forum mm. but they've paid you respect, then, you know, and there's more variation. But if it only ever comes up forum, then that kind of, I think, notches it up the political right. Right. Um, yeah. move. So, but one of the, I think the most important things to do is to be, to surface it, to call it, to notice it and name it, you know. And even if you're not sure, you can say, I'm not sure, Dom, I've got an issue that I'd like to talk to you about. And I, I could, you know, I want to talk to you about it because it's happened over a number of period, number of times. This is what I, I noticed that whenever we're in, the senior business forum, there have been a few times, X, Y, Z, where you've made a comment and I feel that it's targeted me, you know, or or it's it's raised, it's a critique of me, but you and I have never talked about that privately. So you could even raise it, you know. Now, that's not to say that they can say, oh, yeah, you're right, I've been trying to undermine you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose is that you, what are you doing with that comment if you make a humanistic, encouraging, a great attempt, you know, and you might even you know, put a little bit more thought in it, I'm talking off the cup. But the purpose of actually raising it in that way, in a way that's calm, that's not accusatory, this is what I'm I've noticed I may be wrong, you know, is that you're signaling that you're seeing something. So at, at worst, if they kind of say, no, you've got it completely wrong, this is actually what's happening, then you can clear the air, mm-hmm. yeah? Mm-hmm. But if there was some other kind of hidden agenda happening, then part of what you're doing by keeping it to the surface or raising that you've seen it is just just saying, I've noticed, right? you know? Because I was going to say, they might say, nope, no agenda here. I don't know what you're talking about, but then continue to do it like there actually is, right? Yeah. But once you've named it and it continues to happen, then you've got a basis for going back. So it's back to that. You know, I said, you know, people are making moves and thinking no one's noticing. So it's letting them know, we notice. (laughs) We can see, we can see the moves you're making. Yeah. Well, and and if they're they're not, there's an opportunity to resolve it. Right. Okay. Like if you think about what are the tools that are available to you, you know? What are the tools that are available to you is to notice, name, and raise, raise the issue. But you've got to be careful where something is hidden, you know, it's a hidden dynamic or it's a covert dynamic, that you don't come in all guns blazing and judging and accusing because it could be that you've got the wrong end of the stick. So I think it's about saying, I have noticed this. I have observed. I'd like to talk to you about it. Right. Is there something... Yeah, is there something more that we need to talk about? Is there something more that you – is there something that you need to raise with me that I'm not aware of? So what I heard is rather than saying you are doing da-da-da, like I've already got the conclusion, it's like, you know, it seems to me or like, you know, it's more of a 
my interpretation of that is exactly blah, blah, blah. like yeah. rather than so i'm not stating a fact it's a no it's, it's a perception of mine i've seen this i'm wondering how i hear that is or how that lands yeah. for me yeah yeah so you take responsibility around it because until you have a discussion it's your you don't know perception you don't know i was thinking on that as well Corinne, like you know cuz especially with the like interdepartment kind of politics you got to bust the narrative with an even a bigger, better narrative, you know? And, and so I always think like, ultimately we must be aligned at some point along the road, right? Yeah. We, we yeah, are yeah, yeah. ultimately on the same yeah. team, right? So it's crazy that, you know, Department A and Department B are at each other's throats because surely at some level we must all want, you know, good outcomes for the organization, whatever they are. So it's to try and, I guess, have the conversation and raise it to that level with them, you know, because we might have different ways of going about it maybe that's where we've got this disconnect between us but surely we're both aligned on xyz ultimate outcome kind of stuff right we've got different visions and i think that where you've got two parties interested in genuinely furthering the greater good you know being their department i think that works okay because and i call it leveling up yeah okay so if you're if you seem at odds on a particular issue, then you go up a level mm-hmm. and up a level until you find the goal or the aim or the objective that you can both agree on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you level up. I think we're in an office politics situation where that probably may not work is where there's more self-interest involved. Right, people are threatened and stuff, so it's not yeah. really about the greater good. Yeah, it's yeah. really about me and how yeah. I'm doing. So I think, you know, sometimes I think the place to start is with me, uh-huh. what's going on with even before you're in the situation as a leader, just decide the kind of leader that you want to be, uh-huh. the impact that you want to have, what your values are, what are your standards for your own behaviour, uh-huh. you know, what are the no-go areas. I think then it's really about being consistent and being trying your best to be good at what you do it's also about being transparent and curious, developing great relationships up and down the organisation that aren't purely transactional. They're also about developing a connection, giving and receiving. Yeah, you know, the, I, I just thought when you're talking about, you know, the behaviours and values and stuff, don't get into the gossip and the yeah. back channeling as far as Keep it clean. Oh, well, you know, it's so tempting, especially when it's frustrating working with another department to, you know, go to the pub and like, oh, my God, those sales guys and Jill in charge of the sales team, oh, my God, she's a nightmare, yeah. blah, 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 whatever it is. But that, and that feels so good at the, at the time, right? <laughs> oh, And we're all piling on Jill, you know, and how terrible she is and, and all this stuff, but it never really leads to a better outcome, right? And and in fact, it kind of makes you worry like when I'm not in the room, is everyone piling on me? You know? And so and so yeah. everyone starts doing that, you know? And so it's just it's just so toxic, I think, to go down. Yeah, the road. I think so. I think you've got to try and what is it? Keep your nose clean. Is that the it's just not get involved in the drama and the gossip that often involves some kind of character assassination, you know, yeah. that's a good clue that you shouldn't be involved in it. I also think that what's also important is to be transparent, curious, but also pragmatic. And 
as you're doing all these things, I think you do need to pay close attention to your surroundings and what's going on. And and really, if your instinct is acting, if it's activated, if you've got an instinct about something and you're a bit doubtful, then it's probably important for you to stop and pay attention to what is it that your instinct or your gut feel, whatever is reacting to, what's going on for you? Is this something that's coming from you? Have you made this interpretation or is there evidence? Is there objective evidence? And objective evidence is is not I spoke to Dom about it and he agrees with me (laughs) and therefore that person is a villain. Mm -hmm. You know, that isn't. It's really looking at, okay, what would I need to see that would suggest to me I need to have a conversation with them? Okay, so how many times does it happen? When does it happen? Does it happen when things are really, you know, you've got a a CEO in the room? So you're really looking for what is the evidence that would help me understand, make a decision as to whether it was a a misunderstanding or something where there's a hidden agenda. And then have the conversation. Have the conversation. conversation and and, in the best possible light, have the constructive conversation. You know, it goes to the heart of the matter. That's right. Shares thoughts and feelings. That's right. Goes to the heart of the matter, shares thoughts and feelings. I think the other thing is, as you're kind of making this, uh, you, so you're doing an, kind of an in, internal scan, an external scan, and then ask yourself, what are my choices with yeah. dealing with this? So I can do nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I do nothing, what would be the impact of doing nothing? And doing nothing's a choice. Okay. Yep. So it's, um, I can speak up and I can raise the issue. So then it becomes how do you want to raise the issue? When do you want to raise the issue? What would you like them to what would you what's the outcome that you want? And I think in I think it's crucial conversations. They've got some great tips about questions to ask yourself in terms of what do I want for myself and what do I want for our relationship? So in preparation for a conversation, they're two really great questions. What do I want for myself? And what do I want for our relationship in terms of that highest order constructive? And the third option, I guess, is you can launch a counteroffensive where you go and tell your boss about them. And, you know, and then typically that's an option as well, but typically is it going to resolve anything or is it going to exacerbate it? What is the, the right thing to do? In this situation. What's the exit strategy? Like what is the final result, right, of, of mm. that approach? Because it's kind of total war. We're yeah. going to total war it's and three, the, you know, one side's getting destroyed. You know? mm. Well, so you're playing you, with fire when you go down that road. Don't yeah. you? But, so I think, yeah, you are. You are playing with fire. Not only that, remember that set of standards that we talked about, the standards that you want to be held to, you start giving – I think that's when you start losing a bit of your soul, right, is you start to launch counter-offences. Offenses. Mm-hmm. The other thing to do is to maybe look at if you're unsure, who else can you talk to that's more objective? It's going to be easier to find someone that can side with you. That's probably not going to be helpful. Yep. What you want is to find someone who is a bit more removed, has a bit more distant, and can look at the situation more objectively than you can and give you their honest perspective. We've got to search those people out. Yeah. yeah. And and it may be someone who's not so firsthand related to it, you know. Okay, interesting chat, you know. So for me, what I was hearing some of those tips was, you know, start with yourself, 
So yeah. is your interpretation actually factual? You know, like yeah. we have a view, but how do we know? How are we contributing to it? Yeah. And then asking yourself, how do you want to operate? Like what are your values? And being clear on those that will help you navigate um, some of the stuff. Build the relationship. Yeah. I'm going to build the relationship even with the person who's maybe playing the games. Because the only way to have influence is two-way influence is what you talked about as well, right? So we've got to be open to them as well. And then thinking about, you know, how do we have those conversations? How do we have it in the light of day kind of stuff? Let's be up front and to the point, have the conversation rather than thinking in our heads and back-channeling and doing all that stuff, which is only adding to the politics. Exactly. You know? Awesome. Thanks, Corinne. That was, um, that was an interesting chat. Interesting. So, Great. Thanks a lot, Dom. All right. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.